This morning we're going to bring to a close this series that we're calling Survival Mode. We're thinking about this time and how it feels like we're just trying to make it through. We're trying to survive. And my guess is you're probably a little tired of it. So am I. I'm looking forward to a day when we can get back to work as we normally would, get back to church as we normally would. But the truth is we don't know exactly when that's going to happen. And so it is a time that we're just trying to survive through to see what's next, waiting on the new normal, even though we'd like that to happen sooner. And my guess is also that during this time, you feel a little bit like this is a test, like you are stressed out over so much going on in your life. You didn't expect to be a homeschool parent and suddenly you are. You're a little worried about whether your job is gonna be there when you get back to work. You're worried about whether your business is going to be there so you can employ other people. You spent a lot of time together as a family and maybe that's created some stress for you. And you know, as we think through that, Maybe in the midst of all that, you've got some questions, and they're serious questions for God. Maybe you're asking, why did this even have to happen? Why would God allow a global pandemic to occur? I mean, we can remember the time when this was something that was somewhere across the globe, right? We didn't even have to think about it. It was just there, and then suddenly it's closer. Then it's in our country, and then it's in our state, and it's affecting our own community. Why would God allow this? Why would he allow all these people to get sick and die? Why would he allow all the economic ramifications that we're facing? Why did this have to happen? Well, I think that's a pretty good question and a question that's worth answering. Why would God allow so many people to deal with a deep sense of loneliness at this time? I mean, we've got people who are in nursing homes, assisted living hospitals who can't have people come visit. And we've got those families wanting to visit and it's breaking their heart not being able to do that. Why is this going on and why is God allowing it? Well, today, as we bring the series to close, I want us to think about how we survive in this time and, and deal with those kinds of questions. And we're returning to the book that we call First Peter, written by this early leader in the church, a man who was with Jesus throughout his ministry, what we call an apostle, one that Jesus sent out into the world to share his message. Peter became an early Christian leader, important to the church. And so when, when this church that he's writing to is dealing with persecution. I mean, these people are facing the loss of their livelihood, loss of their families. Maybe they were going to be arrested. They could even lose their lives. How are they supposed to respond to that? And my guess is, as they were dealing with the stress that was a part of that, they were asking questions like, why is God allowing this? Why is this going on? And Peter wants to help them deal with that. And we've seen him deal with it all the way through this letter. And then right at the end, he gives us sort of the final parting shot on, on this, is the, this is the most important thing for you to remember as we finish up. And so I want us to jump into that today. We begin in 1 Peter chapter 5, the last chapter of the book, and we begin in verse 8, and he starts super practical. Listen to what he says. Be alert and of sober mind. Now, we see that word sober is exactly what you think it means. He's saying, don't get drunk. And the reason he's saying that is because, you know, at a time like this, it is super easy for us, and it would have been for them, to, to want something that can alleviate, even temporarily, the stress. And maybe it's a substance, or maybe it's some kind of activity that can become addictive. And as, no, we, as much as we know how dangerous that can be, 
And we may have jumped in and out of that even during this time because it gave us a few minutes of feeling a little better. And so Peter is saying to them, listen, don't go down that road because this is a time when you need your mind to be as sharp as it can be because it's going to be difficult. You're going to need to think logically and clearly and deal with what's in front of you. So don't let yourself get into that trap. So he goes on. Your enemy, he calls him, the devil. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, we see the devil, Satan, sometimes called the accuser or the, or the tempter, show up throughout the New Testament. And what we find out is that the devil really wants to destroy what's important to God. The devil wants to destroy what, what really matters, the, the created order. And what's at the very top, the pinnacle of creation? If you look back in the creation stories at the beginning of the Bible, it's you and me. What's most important to God is us. He, he loves us deeply. And because God loves us that much, because we are that important to God, then Satan would love to destroy us. And Peter wants these early Christians in the midst of their stress to know this is a time when you are susceptible. This is a time when, when you can be destroyed by what you do and, and maybe what others are doing to you. Be aware of that. And so keep your mind Sharp. Now, I think the danger here is to get way more concerned about the devil and what he's doing than what God's doing. So we've got to be careful of that. But we need to be on our guard, just as Peter called them to be. Verse 9. Resist him, the devil. Resist him, standing firm. And I think that phrase, standing firm, is really the key in this verse. Standing firm in the faith. Because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Standing firm in the faith. Now, sometimes the word faith in the New Testament is used to mean what we believe and, and believing the things that are true. That's important. But that's not the way Peter's using this. He's talking about trust. He's not talking about being able to win a, a Bible knowledge contest, a, a trivia game about the life of Jesus, knowing more stuff about God. He's talking about knowing God and trusting in who God is. We might put it this way, trusting the very nature of God. I mean, when we can identify what God is like, we're going to trust Him because He is trustworthy. And so Peter is helping us focus in here on who God is, because if we get who God is, we can allow God to take us through this. And he reminds these Christians, hey, you know what? This sometimes is just part of the Christian life, stress and struggle. It doesn't just disappear because we're Christians. And in fact, for them, it was happening because they were Christians. They were facing persecution because they believed in Jesus. Now, this was not a time of, of what we call general persecution, when like it's ordered from Rome. But throughout their empire, there were pockets of this. And Peter reminds them, these things happen. Verses 10-11, we finish up today. He says, and the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you've suffered a little while, will himself restore you. And to me, that word stands out. And you see in this passage, he, he says, God's going to do four things, basically. He's going to restore you and make you strong, firm, steadfast. Restore you, make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Now, what Peter does not say is, Hey, you're going to walk through this and then God's going to take it all away and it's going to be easy. All your problems are going to be solved. 
We want him to say that. That's not what Peter says. I mean, what they wanted to hear was, we're going to get through this time of persecution. It's all going to be over. Go away. Happy life. Everything's the same as it always was. Well, it wouldn't be that way for some of them. But what Peter says is, God will restore you. When I hear that word, and that's the word that really jumped out at me as I read this passage, was that God is going to give us back what is taken away. Now, for those Christians, what it might mean was persecution would come to an end. And that would happen because there would be times when it would come and it would go. As I said, this time in the empire, it's just in pockets. And so there might be a time when it would go away and what they lost would be given back. But it might also be that what they lost would, would not be restored until Jesus returned, would not be restored until resurrection. And that sometimes is what restoration really means. And then he closes out with that sort of benediction to him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Now, as I think about that, he sort of stacks things on top of one another there. Strong, firm, steadfast. I don't, need to, I don't know that we need to separate those out. He's sort of saying, this is who you're going to be in three different ways. But as we think about that for us, what's the lesson we learn? And for me, it's this. God will not forget you. That's a lesson we need today. Because we might be asking that question, why did God allow this to happen? Where is God in all this? Did somebody do something wrong? Sometimes we assume that when bad things happen to us, what did I do wrong? Well, the answer is, God's not going to forget you. He, he may not eliminate all the bad things that have ever happened to you, may not eliminate what's bad in the future, but we know that he's present. And, and in this passage, Peter reminds us that God is going to restore us. Now, in a global pandemic, what we're looking for is when life gets back to normal. We want it to be restored. We want it to be so we can go back to church. And I'd love to tell you that's going to happen next week. I don't know exactly when it's going to happen. I don't know when we're going to be able to get back to the life that we enjoy living, going to restaurants and visiting people that we love. And I don't know. But we're looking for when God will restore that. We know sometimes life, not just a pandemic, but life takes stuff away. Maybe it's a marriage that falls apart. Maybe it's someone that we love, a parent, a spouse, even a child that we lose to death. And it doesn't get restored on this side. But in the end, God can restore us. That's what the promise is here. That the accuser, Satan, the devil doesn't win. God wins. And as we bring all this to a close, three things that I'd like for us to sort of put together that I think can help us allow God to restore and us to know that God will not forget you. First of all, recognize your fear. That's really important. You know, what lots of us like to do is deny that we're afraid. If we just pretend I'm not afraid, then, then maybe it'll all go away. I want to look strong. Maybe some of us guys are worse at this. We don't want to tell people we're afraid. And the truth is, one of the most important things for us to do in a time like this is to acknowledge our fear. Because when we name it, it loses some of its power. We begin, begin to control that fear. When we deny it and pretend it's not there, it just grows in us. So name the fear recognize its reality. Then remind yourself of God's faithfulness. God has been faithful to you and to me throughout our lives. 
God was there throughout scripture. We can read those stories and we need to do that and see God's faithfulness. This goes back to trusting the nature of God that we talked about uh, earlier in the message. And then finally, depend on God's faithfulness. God's going to be your strength to get through this time. And God's going to be your strength to get through the difficult times of life, whatever they look like. We've got to make the decision. I mean, I know God doesn't forget me. I know he's there for me. But I've got to make the decision. I'm going to depend on him. And even when things don't always make sense, and even when we go through really bad stuff, God is still there. He's not forgotten me. You know, as we bring it to a close, I call this series Survival Mode. But in truth, it's about way more than surviving. Because I think God is doing more than that in us. I think God is doing more than just getting us to the other end of this. I think God is at work transforming us as individuals and as the church. He has not deserted us. He has not forgotten us. And he is using this to help the church, not just in our country, but throughout the world, reach people that might never know him. This is about more than surviving this is about opening up our relationship with God and thriving in a way that we might never have done it. Even though this is a bad thing, I wish it had never happened, God is powerful enough that he can use it for good things because he's not forgotten you. Let's pray together. God, we're thankful that you're with us, that you never forget us even in difficult times. And God, we pray that you will use this time, as difficult as it is, and use all the really hard parts of life to help us develop a deeper trust in you. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.